Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So if you've got your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 27. Hold your spot there because we're going to be jumping around in the, in the few chapters around that area as we progress through today's message. So um, can, I want to ask you, as you're turning there in that spot, as you at home are finding your place there in your Bible or on your device, however you access the Scripture, as you're, as you're finding that place, I want to ask today, can we get really honest? Thank you, sister. God bless you. Amen. Can we get really honest today? Those of you that are watching online, can we get honest today? And I, I want to be honest today because I believe that honesty is the crucible for healing and wholeness to be a uh, part of our lives, to become part of our lives. Because you can't deal with a problem that you're not willing to first recognize. I want to say that again. You can't deal with an issue that you're not willing to talk about. So I want to be really honest today because I believe that's where healing is. And honesty is the place where we stop trying to blame everyone else around us for the things that are going on inside us. How many of you, if we're being honest, and this is where it is, how many of you have habits and if we're honest, you'd rather not have them. You've got some habits, and if we're honest, we'd, we'd rather not have those habits. We'd, we'd rather be able to rid ourselves of them, shed ourselves of that liability in our lives because we know that some of the habits that we have are a detriment to us, either physically or spiritually, mentally, emotionally, however that is. And uh, if I'm talking to you at home today, I just want you to drop that in the chat and say, I've got them. If you're here today and you've got habits you'd rather not have, I just want you to shout amen, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. We often have a nasty habit, and I'm going to illustrate that in Scripture here in just a moment. I ask you to turn with me to Genesis, and I'm not sure how I drew so much material for a series entitled The Unstoppable Church from the book of Genesis. Uh, but nonetheless, as I was studying the Word and reading through, the Spirit of the Lord just began to show me some things, and my spirit was arrested with certain truths that can be seen in the lives of a great many heroes of the faith. Now, let me give you this disclaimer about today's message, and you can tell me what you want, okay? A little class participation here. Today's message will be one of two things, okay? It will be fast or it will be long. Now, what's your pleasure? <laughs> because it's going to have to be one of the two. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to opt for fast. So if you will, if you've got your Bible ready, you've got your notepad ready, and you're going to be listening attentive because if you, if you stray away, if you get on Facebook here or you start talking to your neighbor or something, you're going to miss something that's really vital and key to the overall context of the message today. So... Um, if you have your Bibles there, Genesis chapter 27, uh, we, we start there, and Genesis 27 starts by letting us know that at this time, Isaac, Abraham's son, was an old man, and his vision was beginning to fade. 
Now, my prayer today is God give us eyes of faith so that we're not dependent on anything as frail as the five senses of the human anatomy to lead us and guide us through this life. Give us the eyes of faith so that we can understand and trust what you're up to even when we can't see what you're up to. And here it is. Here's the habit. And I, I beg you today, if, you, if you're not familiar with this story, and I know many of you are familiar with the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all those things, I want to invite you to go back to Genesis chapter 12 and begin there with the call of Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans and begin to read through all the way to this point so that you kind of have an understanding and a context of, of what has happened in the lives of these people and you kind of see. But for time's sake today, suffice to say, I'm just going to read here uh, on the screen behind me. It's going to start in verse 18, but I'm going to jump down a little further here. And it says this, Isaac said to Jacob, his son, one of his sons, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really Esau, my son, or not. Now understand that at this time, Jacob is trying to deceive his father into believing that he himself is Esau. Because Esau stands to gain his father's blessing, which in that culture, in that day, in that hour was a huge, huge deal. And he says here, I, wanna, I want you to come near so that I can feel you to see whether or not you are really my son Esau. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And he said, The voice, what I hear, what I hear sounds like Jacob, but the hands, what I feel, are the hands of Esau. We sang just a minute ago, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. And there's our nasty habit, church. Here's what's happening. Isaac is hearing one thing, but he's feeling another. Here's, here's where we're going to be honest, because there are many among the ranks of Christianity, myself included, who want to have faith. And the Word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. And we've got a Word from the Lord. We've understood the promise of Scripture, and we know the thing that the Lord has called us to. But there are evidences in our lives that are cloaked in deception, and they're presenting themselves as factual, playing on our vulnerability, and rather than standing in what we've heard, we're opting rather to believe what we feel. And this is a habit that needs to be broken in the lives of God's people. That we can say, listen, I may have walked around these walls and I may have had the expectation that they would have already fallen, but as yet they have not. But at the word of the Lord, regardless if it makes sense to me, regardless if I understand it or not, regardless of any other evidences that are presenting themselves, I believe in the word of the Lord. And one more time, I'm going to march around this wall and believe God that it's going to fall before me. Now I want to back up 
several chapters, and I want to take a look at the patriarch of this family, Isaac's father Abraham, and take a few excerpts from his life to underscore this principle that the unstoppable church believes more in God's Word than it does in the circumstances of this life. And I want you to understand today, those of you that are here, those that are watching at home, when we're talking about the unstoppable church, we're not just simply speaking on an organizational level because what we are individually, we become collectively. If we each as individuals are walking and standing victorious in our lives, then we together as a body become victorious. You understand that? So don't dismiss this as, as I'm speaking today. This is not just about who we are corporately, although it is who we are corporately, but it also has a great deal to do with who we are as individuals and walking out our personal walk of faith with the Lord. Okay? So... I don't know what you want said about you when this life is over. I don't know if you've ever considered that, but sometimes I do. And if there's one epitaph that I want assigned to my life, it's the one that we find associated with the life of Abraham in the book of Romans, and it says this, for what does the Scripture say? That Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Say whatever else you want to say, but please say of me that I was a man of God. I believed God. I trusted God. And this is, understand this, this is the testament of Abraham's life. But you've got to understand that it wasn't always a path of ease. There were times of really trusting God and standing in his word to see things come to pass. And there were also times that Abraham didn't get it right. So don't misunderstand today and think that we're talking about some spiritual elitist to which you, uh, holds a standard to which you could never attain, because you can. By the power, the strength of Almighty God, every, it can be said of every one of us that we believed God and it was accounted to us for righteousness. We won't always get it right. We will mess up sometimes, as we're going to see here in the life of Abraham. But we can be men and women of faith, strong faith. Abraham's first introduced to us receiving a word from the Lord that calls him from his father's house and to a land, quote, that God is going to show him, end quote. And as Abraham sets out on this journey, the Lord blessed him in many ways. He's, by the standards of his day, very, a very prosperous man. It's, but it's not only a very prosperous time in the life of Abraham, naturally speaking, but it's a bit of a turbulent time, spiritually speaking. There were times of meeting with God... And, and having great highlights of, of meetings with God and, and exchanges with God, but then there were also times when it came to leaving that place of meeting and going out and applying what he had received from the Lord, the word that he had received from the Lord, he had to then leave the presence of the Lord and walk in that thing, walk in that word. Same is true of us today. We're here. The presence of the Lord is here. 
Uh, our ministry teams have been just on fire and, and sharing the gospel with you through word, and we've lifted our hands and we've worshiped the Lord. But there's going to come a point where there's going to be a benediction to today's service, and we're going to leave the appointed space and appointed time, and we're going to go back out into this world, and we're going to have to walk in the word that we've received from our meeting time with the Lord. And this is a place that, you know, we know Father Abraham, great father of faith. He's uh, held up in Hebrews chapter 11 as a, as a champion of the faith. But nonetheless, there were times in his life when it came from moving from being in the presence of the Lord and hearing the word of the Lord to going out and walking in faith and confidence in that word that he too faltered, as we often do. And most of the time, the reason that he faltered, we're going to see, is because there were circumstances around his life that testified against the promise and the power of God to work in his life. Now, Abraham was so prosperous. When he left on this journey, he had to take his, he took his nephew Lot with him. His brother had passed away, and, and this, this nephew was almost like a son. Abraham was a bit of a caregiver to him. But um, they became so prosperous that he and his nephew Lot had to part ways because the land couldn't sustain both of them at one place. And shortly, and we're going to come back to Lot in just a, just a few minutes, but just suffice to say here that Abraham and Lot had to part ways. Lot, as you know, chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and dwelt there among the people of that city. And shortly after Lot and Abraham part, God comes and speaks to Abraham and makes a covenant with him. And in Genesis 15, 4, God told Abraham, Abraham, who by this time was well advanced in age, well past any thought of childbearing, uh, of his wife having children or things like that, but God comes and speaks to him and says, you are going to have an heir for your household. It's not your servant that came from somewhere else, but it's going to be an heir from your own body. It's going to be an heir from your own wife, and he's coming. This is my promise to you. God takes him outside, shows him the stars up in the sky, and promises him that his descendants would be as innumerable as the stars of the sky. And as time passes, Abraham knew that God had said it, but the circumstances. Abraham was an old man. And if I can say so without being offensive, Sarah was an old woman in terms of childbearing. And, and in that moment, he began to converse with Sarah, and they, they agreed among themselves and said, I know what God has said. But according to the circumstance, I can't see how what God said can ever come to pass in my life. So what did they do? They conspire together. Sarah comes to Abraham, gives, her, gives him her maid, and says, Here, Abraham, take my maid that you can bear a son and have an heir to your household through my maid, Hagar. So they, they jumped the gun based on the circumstances, and, and they do this thing. Genesis 17, God comes back to speak with Abraham and promises the birth of Isaac. 
And here's God and Abraham here speaking. God's speaking to Abraham, and this is Abraham's response. He's like, you know what, God, I don't see it. All I can see is the circumstances. I know what your word has said, but this is what I see. And then Abraham says this, and it is so telling. It is like piercing, convicting, because I'm sure that we've all prayed prayers like it at some point or another. Abraham asked God, rather than doing what he can't see or imagine or rationalize, he says, God, why don't you go ahead and bless what I've already done? You ever, you ever have moments like that with God where you, you sense that God wants to do something extraordinary? You sense that he wants to prove in your life to be the God that does exceedingly, abundantly above everything that we think or ask, but we're so caught up in the circumstantial evidences around our lives that we find it difficult. Rather, we take matters into our own hands. We try to solve our own problems. We don't yield the burdens of our heart at the altar of the Lord, and instead we're at the altar of God asking, saying, Lord, why don't you just bless what I'm already doing? Because I'm not sure, based on the circumstances, that I can trust you to do what you've said. Bless Ishmael, the son created because I lacked faith and jumped the gun. How many of us have prayed prayers like that or are praying prayers like this? Just me. Okay. But God said, no, no, no. Sarah. You, you remember the old lady. Sarah is going to bear you a son. He's going to be your heir. Yeah, I'm going to bless this other kid, but Sarah's son is going to be your heir. And at this point, shortly there after this this exchange concludes, God said, you know, I'm going to let Abraham on a little bit of news here. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were exceedingly wicked cities upon which God was about to pour out his wrath. And in Genesis chapter 18, we see Abraham knowing that his nephew Lot was dwelling there and just having received a renewed promise from the Lord, his faith is now strengthened and he believes God again and he begins to intercede on behalf of that city. You read that story and Abraham's thinking to himself, oh no, my nephew lives there and I've got to pray, I've got to intercede, I've got to seek God here. And he begins to bargain with God and say, God, for the sake of 50 righteous we would you not destroy the city? And on and on that goes. And he keeps coming back to the Lord and he finally gets all the way down, bargains all the way down to 10 and says, hey God, for the, for the sake of 10, would you not destroy the city? And God said, for the sake of 10 righteous, I wouldn't destroy the city. Sad reality is they went in and couldn't find the 10 righteous. They only found the family of Lot. And the righteousness of Lot and his family is debatable but the faithfulness of God is not. In Genesis 19, we read that the angels of the Lord did visit that city to execute justice on its wickedness, but the Lord remembered the prayer of his servant Abraham, and we read the following. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, hurry, 
saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Look at this. And while he lingered, imminent judgment, and Lot lingered. I've got to tell you right now, some of you have been believing God for wayward loved ones. Judgment and justice is imminent over their lives. They're lingering, they're waiting. But I've got a word for you. God's getting ready to pull them out. God's getting ready to pull them out. God, their reluctance is going to be overcome by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and God's getting ready to pull them out. And it says here that in Lot's reluctance... These men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside of the city. Abraham had prayed earnestly that God might not destroy the city for the sake of his family. And you and I know how this story ends if, you, if you've read this narrative before. Because we have, the his, we have the luxury of a historical record. But I want you to understand that Abraham is there in real time, walking a real walk of faith right then in that moment, and he didn't have the record that you and I have. He didn't have the evidences and the witness that you and I have. Here's what Abraham had. And Abraham went early in the morning, to the place where he had stood before the Lord. If you've, if you've got your marker, your highlighter, however you emphasize things in your word, would you just mark that to the place where he had stood before the Lord? And then he looked towards Sodom. Remember, yesterday he prayed and said, God, for the sake of my family, for the sake of Lot, my nephew. God, I'm interceding on his behalf. He, he's a man of unclean lips. He dwells in the midst of a people of unclean lips, but God, deliver him out of that. God, save him. Don't let judgment be exacted on his life. God, help him. He stood there in faith and called out on God. And it says, And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards the land of the plain. Listen to this. And he saw... And behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. Did you catch that? It says, Abraham returned to the place where he had prayed and he sought God, the place where he stood in faith, the place where he had entrusted the burdens of his heart to the Lord. And I'm sure at this point, Abraham begins to feel foolish for allowing himself to get his hopes up for the promise of an heir and believing that God was going to intervene in this situation. I want to tell you something, church. There are going to be times when you're going to approach the place where yesterday you expressed your faith and trust in God and you'll survey the evidence of life that surrounds you and everything you see is going to testify that God has forgotten you or forsaken you. That marriage isn't going to be fixed overnight. That wayward child is still in a season of rebelling. That medical condition isn't improving or perhaps it's growing worse. That financial situation doesn't seem to be getting any better. You've been believing for a breakthrough and a blessing, but as yet it still seems that nothing is happening. And the only witness that we have 
that Abraham was ever given as to whether or not the Lord had answered his prayer was that phrase there that says, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. Now, some of you today find yourselves in that same position. You've been trusting God for miracles. You've been believing God for intervention in your, in your life. You've been looking to God to intervene on your behalf. And as yet, you're, the, the situation that you're facing looks like some sort of dumpster fire. It's pitiful. And it says that all that Abraham saw was the smoke of destruction rising across the plain. But the following verse says this, And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overflow, overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Now, Abraham didn't see this. All that he saw was the smoke of destruction. Genesis 20. Now Abraham's in this vulnerable spot in his faith. The Lord has come to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to cause your 90-something-year-old wife to give birth to a son. Okay? This is the moment where we all throw our heads back and laugh with Sarah, who laughed when God said this. Impossible. Abraham has stood in that renewed faith, the faith of that promise, and he interceded on behalf of his nephew Lot. And here he is now in this moment, the only thing that he's got that bears witness to the goodness and the intervention of God in his life are the smoke of destruction rising up over the plain. And for the second time in their lives, Abraham finds himself being moved to a new city, and he's got a crisis of faith here, an opportunity to stand either in agreement with the circumstances and the evidences of this life or to stand in agreement with the Word of God. And he comes into that city in that state of vulnerability. And he walks in to King Abimelech, and, and, they, and he introduces himself, and he says, Hey, I'm Abraham. This is my sister, Sarah. And he lies about her identity because all that he's got playing in his mind right now are the circumstances and the evidences that this life keeps presenting to him over and over and over again. But God straightens that situation out. And again, I ask you to read all this this week. That's your homework assignment. But God gets all this straightened out, and then we come to, to Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. And it, after all this, Genesis 20, the whole deal with Abimelech and all of that stuff, it says this, Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2, And the Lord visited Sarah and did as he said. What? He did how? As he said. Not according to the circumstances, not at the, at the mercy of the impossibilities, but he visited Sarah and he did as he said for her. 
And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Now, we already read, Pastor Lisa read Isaiah 55 at the top of the service. The God's Word will not return to him void without accomplishing the purpose that he sent it forth to do. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken. And I want to tell you, church, this is a transitional moment in the life of this man, Abraham. Because here it is. At this point, Abraham's eyes are open to a truth. And that truth is this. Maybe I don't have to see it for God to be working in it. Maybe I don't have to see it for God to be working in it. Maybe the evidences around me do not negate God's Word for me. Maybe I haven't seen Lot and his family, but I still believe in the power of God to deliver. Maybe I didn't see what God was doing in Sarah's womb, but here's a baby to prove it. Let me tell you something, church, that even when you don't see it, God is at work in your life. Things that you think God has forgotten, things that you believe God has denied in your life. You've buried dreams and desires in the Spirit. You've ceased to seek God and to call on Him because of the dismay of your circumstances that are present in your life that have testified against the Word of God in which you have stood. But even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, God is working. Uh, look, Y'all need some help understanding this. Y'all need some help. Under Get real quick now. We got to move fast. We got to move fast. You pull out that smartphone you got, that supercomputer in your pocket, and you do me a couple of things right here. I want you to open it up real quick. Find your maps. Go ahead, find your maps. Open that maps, and I want you to grab a destination. For most of you, you've got home on that, on that phone already programmed in. I want you to hit home, and I want you to go. Okay, are you done? You done? All right, I want you to go back to the home screen. And how many of you have got a news app on your phone? Oh, isn't that a deplorable thing? Oh, man. So I want you to go to your news app, and I want you to open that news app on your phone right there. So that's what's on the face of your phone, okay? And you're scrolling through that news app, and I want to ask you what's on the display before you. It's talking about COVID-19 and all the people that have died. You're seeing news about sex offenders and sex traffickers. You're seeing news about drug abusers and people that are being arrested. You're seeing numbers about joblessness. And you're seeing, you're seeing news about thefts and murder. Every once in a while, you're seeing a little glimmer of good news. But for the most part, all that's there is testifying to you of a world that has lost control and a world that is drowning in evil. But I want to tell you something something today, church, even if you got up out of this place and that's what was on the display in front of you and you go out in your car and get in your car and start driving home, I want to tell you it doesn't matter what's on the display before you. What's in the background is an app that's still running, that's still directing your life, that's still ordering your steps, and if you'll follow it all the way, it doesn't matter what's on the display before you. It's going to get you to your intended destination and that's the way it is with God it doesn't matter what's on the horizon before us it may not be anything but bad news but God is always working even when we're not focused on him he's focused on us 
Even when we don't see it, he's working and he's moving. I'm telling you, God has a plan for you to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. Everything that's on the display on the horizon of your life may look like it's testifying against the power of God to bring that to pass. But even when you don't see it, God is working on your behalf. I want to tell you something today, church. It doesn't matter what's on the display before us or what deceitful evidence is presenting itself so as to make us think otherwise. But there's a true word of the Lord for your life today, and it says, and we know this, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You may not always see it. You may not always understand it, but he's working through it. I want to give you about 30 seconds right now to get up on your feet and say thank you, God, that even when I can't see it, I know that you love me. I know that you're working for me. I know, God, that you're about to turn things around. I know that nothing I've seen with this natural eye has negated your power and your ability to do great things in my life. Come on, church. You can do better than that. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Remain standing for just another minute more. Here we are at another crisis point now. We just flip over three more chapters, a couple more chapters in this book, and God speaks to Abraham and commands him. He says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your son Isaac, whom you love. I want you to offer him a burnt offering to the Lord. And in obedience, Abraham makes preparation, and at this point, he heads out. So Abraham took the wood, we read, of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And because we have the historical record that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, we may think that this was an easy moment for Abraham to have looked in the face of his son and given him an answer of a faith-filled word. But don't you think for a minute that the memories didn't replay in his mind of that moment when he stood in that place where he had trusted God, but he only saw the smoke of destruction rising across the plain. Tell me what you want to, but I know in that moment the enemy brought the smoke of Sodom's destruction to his remembrance and mocked his faith, and there came a lump in that man's throat. And it was most difficult for Abraham to look into the eyes of his young son and give him that faith-filled answer. But something had happened. Between his observation of Sodom's smoke rising to the heavens in this moment of confrontation, God had opened the womb of a senior citizen and brought to pass the word that was spoken over Abraham's life. Faith had, that had been battered by the circumstances now began to rise anew in his heart. And he looked at his son and he said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together.
Now listen, church. Abraham didn't always get it right. We read about one time, but there were actually two times that he lied about Sarah being his wife. When the promise of God didn't come fast enough, he readily conspired with Sarah to help God out. He slept with Hagar, Sarah's maid. He was human just like you and I. But you don't have to be perfect to be a man or woman of great faith. Simply trust God in every circumstance and believe that who he has promised to be, he is going to be faithful to be in your life. And I want to ask you today, what are you believing God for? We were having this conversation and planning the other day, and Pastor Lisa reminded me of a passage of Scripture that reminded me that until your dying breath, you should be expecting from the Lord. I want to tell you something. If your goals spiritually in this life don't take you to life's culminating step of faith that leads you from this life into the next, then you're not dreaming big enough. You're not believing God for enough. Because the Word says this in Hebrews eleven thirteen: These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. I want to encourage you to ch today, church, to believe God more than you do the circumstances of this life. Now, I believe there may be some among us today who say, Pastor, yesterday, last week, last month, yeah, last year, whenever it was, I stood in a place of faith. And I called out to the Lord and I made my appeal to Him. Today, I'm surveying what would be or seem to be the smoldering ash of a promise unfulfilled a request unheard. And I've really been struggling in my faith. But I'm going to tell you today, church, if you're going to be unstoppable in your faith, you're going to have to believe God more than you do the circumstances that you face in this life. So many people, it, it just it takes so very little. We are so strong as we're proclaiming, thus says the Lord, in accordance with what we think things should be. But how soon we let go of our faith when God had something different in mind, when God took a little bit longer than we thought he was supposed to, when, when God didn't answer in the way that we thought he should or the way that we had it mapped out, when God doesn't bless the mess that we made, but he insists on leading us into his word and his will regardless of how wrong we've got it. I believe there are some among us today that, that would, would say, God, I need you to do something in my life. I can't see it. Everything I do see says that you're not. But God, I trust you. There are some folks here that need healing. 
not just not just healing of the body but healing of the mind healing of the spirit healing in your home healing in relationships right now it just looks like smoldering ash and destruction but I'm gonna tell you at the appointed time God is gonna show up and he's gonna do for you everything that has been spoken over your life if you will but stand in faith and trust him and not be moved by every wind of circumstance that blows through your life so as our worship team begins to sing and they're gonna sing a powerful anthem here in just a few moments that our God is a way maker miracle worker and as they begin to as they begin to proclaim that truth if you'd say pastor I need you to stand in agreement with me I need the body to stand in agreement with me because there are some circumstances right now that are testifying against God's power and work in my life if you would be so bold and you're comfortable to do so this morning I want you as they begin to sing that song to step out from where you are and make your way to this altar and maybe you're here today and maybe you're watching online I don't know but as yet you've seen little in this life that is testified to you of the wonder-working power of God that we claim you've been reluctant to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior but right now in this moment the Holy Spirit's dealing with you and he's calling you to faith we want to believe God together for your salvation today would you just simply pray with me father I believe you are who you say you are and I believe that you sent your son to die for me God I ask you now to forgive me of my sins let faith arise in my life God I'm taking the first step would you meet me there would you cleanse me from all unrighteousness would you heal me from the sins of the past and create in me a clean heart oh God and make of me a new creation I surrender and yield my life to you in Jesus name amen we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about faith assembly please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day